Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. How was your meditation? Did you notice the four foundations of mindfulness? Mm -hmm. John started us off last night talking about the first foundation, which is mindfulness of breath in the body. And why is that so important? It allows our mind to become united within the body and it develops concentration. It is that concentration then that allows us to affect or enable the remaining foundations of mindfulness to have a direct and complete experience of the Dhamma. The, the four foundations are tools, if you will, to be developed. When you spend enough time with the tool, you become skillful with that tool. The foundations then allow you to skillfully observe your meditative practice observe your thoughts, observe your feelings while being mindful of the breath. This leads you to insights, which is the second part of John meditation. So on the first part, we've got the breath in the body, which is developing concentration. On the second hand, we've got the foundations creating mind uh, insights. And when I say this is a complete experience of the Dhamma, everything within the four foundations is presence. There's the sixth sense base, which we'll talk about today. Five clinging aggregates are there. Dependent origination is there. Four noble truths, the eightfold path, the defilements, the hindrances, the three marks of existence. All of these things are culminating in the four foundations of mindfulness. And there's something about being mindful that it's, it's not necessarily something you do. It's something that you are. This, there, there's an impl implication of a passive experience of being mindful. You're not chasing after, you're not clinging to, you're not craving for, you're not averse to. You are simply mindful of what is occurring. And I'm, I'm always astounded at the what seemed quite superficial a year and a half ago to the astounding depth that's in each of these suttas, this one in particular. And so once we go through and we start developing that breath in the body and our mind starts to quiet a little bit, now we can start folding in the other foundations, if you will. The next of which is mindfulness of feelings. And the Buddha continues, and how does one remain mindful of feelings in and of themselves? In the first paragraph that he gets into here, he's setting the stage for the three types of feelings that we experience. And he has a, this amazing ability to distill the, the human experience down into a very specific set of things. When I think about the defilements, there's only three. When I think about the feelings, there's only three. And he, he, he steers clear of what the common human problem is of, of being locked into this binary thinking. This if, if, or, or this, uh, it's either this or that. It's either yes or no, it's hot or cold. And there's, there's always a third option. So when feeling, and the Buddha continues, when feeling pain, be mindful that there is pain. When feeling pleasure, be mindful that there is pleasure. When feeling neither pleasure nor pain, John's word ambivalence or boredom, be mindful that there is neither pleasure nor pain. That's it. When feeling the pain of the body, be mindful that there is a pain of the body. When feeling pain not of the body, a disturbance of the mind, be mindful that there is pain not of the body. What does that mean? My knee hurts right now. I'm, I'm aware of that. But that's okay. I can come back to my breath. The same thing within our minds, right? If something jumps up, I'm having a terrible experience right now and I'm very nervous, I come back to my breath. 
And the Buddha continues, when feeling pleasure in the body, be mindful that there's pleasure in the body. When feeling pleasure not in the body, again in the mind, be mindful that there's pleasure not in the body. My knee feels great right now. And I'm having a wonderful time. <laughs> and now I'm back to my breath. So there's this, this gentle awareness of, of being mindful of what's occurring without clinging to, I feel really good right now. That's all impermanent. It's going to arise and pass away. And the Buddha continues, when feeling neither pleasure nor pain in the body, be mindful that there is neither pleasure nor pain in the body. When feeling neither pleasure nor pain not in the body, again of the mind, be mindful that there's neither pleasure nor pain not in the body. And this is the third piece. I'm indifferent right now. I'm okay with what is. I don't need this to be any different. That's important to notice in our experience. We get locked into the yes or no that we forget there's a place in the middle. The Buddha continues, in this way, one remains mindful of feelings and the arising and the passing away of feelings, independent of and not clinging to anything in this world. And there's something right there around clinging, right? That touches on the aggregates, that touches on dependent origination, and it touches on the second noble truth that it's our craving, clinging, and maintaining that is the origination of our stress. And why are we doing this? To understand stress and to eliminate stress. The Buddha continues, in this way, one remains mindful internally and externally with regard to feelings. This is how one remains mindful of feelings in and of themselves, internally and externally. The body and the mind. What you are experiencing right now with your feeling, whether it's physical or mental, is all coming through the senses. Be mindful of that. This is going to take me like five minutes to scroll through your commentary, by the way. It's good. You should all read this, by the way. The next foundation of mindfulness, and it's important to realize, too, that these aren't sequential, per se, right? Like, you do need to establish concentration of the breath. But you might become mindful of your thoughts before you become mindful of your feelings and vice versa. That's okay. And the Buddha continues, and how does one remain mindful of thoughts in and of themselves? When thoughts are passionate, be mindful that thoughts are passionate. When thoughts are dispassionate, be mindful that thoughts are dispassionate. And here the Buddha is going to walk through, in the context of our thinking, the defilements, greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. Passionate is greed. Be mindful that you're passionate about something. It's okay. Don't cling to it. Come back. And the Buddha continues, when there are thoughts of aversion, be mindful that there are thoughts of aversion. When thoughts are free of aversion, be mindful that thoughts are free of aversion. I don't want to go to this conference tomorrow. <laughs> I would rather be here. Be mindful of that. Be mindful of our aversions. This isn't something that I go and dig into. Why am I averse to not wanting to go tomorrow? It doesn't matter. There's no value in that mental stream. It's important to be, be with the thoughts, watch them arise and pass away. I just forgot about the fact that I'm going to a conference tomorrow. Gone. And the Buddha continues, when thoughts are deluded, be mindful that thoughts are deluded. When thoughts are free of delusion, be mindful that thoughts are free of delusion. <clears throat> and this is where we, we spend, as humans, I think, a tremendous amount of time in our fabrications and our delusions. And we get lost in our stories. And then all of a sudden we <gasps> come back. Come back to that breath. That's how we get out of the delusion. That's how we become mindful again of our thoughts and mindful of our feelings. 
but how does one know delusion, the Buddha continues. Thoughts and actions that contradict the Eightfold Path are deluded. Here the Buddha has brought in more of the Dhamma, the Eightfold Path. And the Buddha continues, when the mind is constricted, be mindful that the mind is constricted. When thoughts are scattered, be mindful that thoughts are scattered. When the mind is spacious, be mindful that the mind is spacious. Again, just be aware of what's happening in your own thinking. There's no judgment attached to anything he just said. Just awareness. Just mindfulness. Being present with what's occurring in the arising and passing away. Wait, are you saying that I don't have to make myself concentrated? I just have to be aware of the fact that I'm not concentrated and come back to the breath? You can't be that aware without being concentrated. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. Really? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm definitely like having that. I mean, that's, that's an insight that's happening mm. for me right now. Of like, it's, it's this um, subtle difference between like, kind of grasping after concentration mm, yeah. versus, yeah, yeah versus yeah. like, there's the, um, the I'm just not concentrated. And back to the breath. That's right. So even this mm. sentence, I'm not concentrated, is sort of like a fabrication I'm making. Because if I'm recognizing it, like you said, then mm -hmm. I am concentrated. Right. You, you were just outside the... Yeah. It's yeah. like... Yeah. The, um, the way I, that helps <clears throat> me think about it is the, I think it's Taoist concept of Wu Wei. Mm -mm which is action through non-action. Yeah. Effortless effort. Mm -hmm. You can't grasp after any of this. You can't try to do this. Mm -hmm. You just are this. But you can't are this. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be this unless you're concentrated. Mm -hmm. But you can't grasp after your concentration. So there's, there's all of these seeming paradoxes. And I always loved all the old Zen stuff when I was younger. I'd read all these Zen quotes, they made absolutely no sense to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of get that. Mm -hmm. right? um, but you're absolutely right. You can't, you can't even grasp after your concentration. You just have to practice. You just have to practice. Yeah. Yeah, it's not once upon a time on meditation, right? It's meditation practice. Mm -hmm. That was good. <laughs> You'll hear me say it too. Uh, you could, you could, no, no, no royalties. Go for it. Um, what was I? The Buddha continues When thoughts are common, be mindful that thoughts are common. When thoughts are unsurpassed, be mindful that thoughts are unsurpassed. I've got to do the laundry today. So I'm the greatest Dhamma teacher in the history of Dhamma teaching. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Come back to the breath. Be mindful of your thoughts. They arise and they pass away. When the mind is not concentrated, be mindful that the mind is not concentrated. When the mind is concentrated, be mindful that the mind is concentrated. This is what we were just talking about. And this, this is specific, right? You either are or you aren't. There's no grasping after. There's no clinging. There's no craving. You're in it or you're out of it. So does me... Uh, if I notice that I'm not concentrated, is that concentration? Yes. You just come back. Okay. What if I don't come back to my breath, but I'm recognizing that I'm not concentrated and I'm like stuck in that? Hmm. You're not concentrated on your breath, but you realize that you're not. Yeah. You just become mindful that you're not concentrated. Hmm. Okay. Now you can go back. Okay. Um, when the mind is not released, be mindful that the mind is not released. When the <laughs> mind is released, be mindful that the mind is released. And this one's tricky. And we'll get into this in the next section. That this there's an underlying awareness here that you have a mind. 
And what, what is that mind? It's not just your thinking. It's not just your feeling. It's not just your mindfulness. It's not just your consciousness. It's all those things. What does the Buddha mean when it's not released? It means I'm clinging to something or I'm craving for something or I'm wrapped up in the defilements or I'm fabricated. Let that all go. And come back to your mindfulness of the thoughts and the feelings and the breath. And the Buddha continues, in this way, one remains mindful internally and externally with regard to thoughts. We spend a lot of time fabricating about things outside of ourselves. We get lost in spend a lot of time fabricating things inside of ourselves that we get lost in. Mindfulness is your map to come back, to get out of the woods and not be lost. And finally, the fourth foundation of mindfulness, the present quality of mind. The Buddha continues, and how does one remain mindful of the present quality of mind in and of itself? One remains focused on the mind internally or externally. On the mind itself. One remains focused on the origination of the mind and the arising and the passing away with regard to the mind itself. One knows there is a mind. They remain independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. This is how one remains mindful of thoughts in and of themselves. One knows there is a mind. I'm mindful that I'm mindful. I know that I'm breathing. I'm conscious that I'm conscious. I'm aware that I'm aware. It doesn't require you to do anything to know that. <clears throat> Sit in jhana, become concentrated. Practice the four foundations of mindfulness. Become mindful of the breath in and of itself. Become mindful of feelings in and of themselves. Become mindful of thoughts in and of themselves. All of that is being aware that you have a mind. And this all sounds like something we do in meditation. And it is. But you can also take this off your cushion in your daily life, as you're walking around the world. And what happens when you apply the four references, the four frames of reference to your daily life, you become a reference point for what is occurring. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Can I stay? Yeah. 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 You're in. <laughs> um, what do I do now? Go around yeah. um, Mateo, I see you first. Uh, you, thank you, Brian. Uh, well, I don't know how to say, so it's like a, you sum up very well this part of the, the sutra, probably the most important sutra. You are, you are bored like John, so that's good. And... <laughs> <laughs> I almost shaved it all off just for uh, <laughs> celebration. And, yeah, for me, it's fine. I don't have any much. Thank you. <laughs> Good luck this afternoon, my friend. Steve, how are you? Slav. Now it makes sense. Oh. <laughs> uh, Brian, very impressive. And uh, thank you very much for this teaching and very well summary of I cannot say uh, four foundation of mindfulness you kind of like you bring all to the teaching in one uh, lecture it's awesome and it's good reminder because uh, how Satipatthana Sutta is logically created and uh, very important be mindful Buddha uh, teach Mindful, mindfulness, uh, not just like in modern life. Uh, I wash my dishes, I'm mindful. I uh, walk my dog, I'm mindful. No, he keep particular mindfulness of four noble truth, mm -hmm. uh, include uh, at full place. And 
about feeling, it's a very interesting point because uh, you have four types of feeling. If you're starting uh, reject bad ones, attach to good ones, you create craving and it's right away. 12 links of dependent origination. It's, it's awesome, amazing. Thank you very much, appreciate it. Thank you, Stanislav. Um, yeah, it's, it was really interesting to me the last few weeks going through this and just seeing dependent origination in each of the foundations. And if you think about feeling, the feeling foundation, you've got, I'm mindful of feeling my body, which means I'm mindful of my form, I'm mindful of my feelings, I'm mindful of perceiving the fact that I'm sitting on a hard seat right now, right? Like all of those are just embedded. It's, it is astounding. Thank you. Ron, in the control ah, <laughs> I knew you could pull it off. Well, thank you. For you. Uh, um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was really, um, it was a pleasure to, to hear this. Uh, very practical, very clear, um, just solid uh, teaching coming out of a, a, a solid understanding of um, the Satipatthana Sutta and, 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 and your own practice. Um, they, uh, truly a pleasure to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Very much. Um, what Ron said about the sim simplicity and how it was boiled down was really nice. Um, I had one like kind of reaction come up to one thing you said, which I, I think I sort of know the answer maybe, I don't know, but it's like, you know, all there is to do is just be aware, but you said, it's not important, uh, something like this, it's not important to analyze why you're clinging to something or craving something. And maybe you just say that in the context of the practice, which makes sense to me, like you're mm -hmm. talking about the, the practice. But part of me was going, wait, 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 no, no. Actually, there's at some point, like there's value in now analyzing mm -hmm. or like, you know, understanding why you want a particular thing or why you're suffering, you know, like you're experiencing suffering and there might be something to do, like to, to change a situation or sure. create a boundary in a relationship or whatever it mm. might be. Yeah, I think it, it goes back to <clears throat> the four noble truths and that the second noble truth is that our craving and clinging creates our suffering. And, and even in delight, there is suffering because the delight will end. And so if we're, we're attaching to or we're identifying with anything, we're going to suffer. So it, it, it's gotten to a point, for me at least, where I, I've seen the movie. I know how the movie ends. It doesn't matter how much I want the chocolate. I just have to stop and come back. But you're right. Like yeah, but like, like so it's like your knee, and, right? Yeah. Like, so your knee's uncomfortable. Your knee's uncomfortable. That's but it. maybe you need some physical therapy. Oh, we're not going to get right? into that. I assumed it might be literally, but of your situation, but just as an example, yes. right? I guess, I guess, like, that's a... outside the practice is that there are things in life mm -hmm. to do to change sure. to deal with sure right okay but you don't just, necessarily need the analysis like my knee hurts go to the doctor yeah you don't have to take it personally and, and make it part of your story an example right? yes. yes. right. right. okay. right. yeah. okay. this happened to me yeah. Right. yeah you'll still you'll still deal with your knee even if you don't practice analyzing what's going on with your knee we are we are in the habit of practicing achieving getting get, gathering figuring out problem solving that's something that we do for eight to ten hours a day yeah. in and our culture mm -hmm. and so we need to be practicing just observing what's coming up yeah and 
like even the idea of observing what's coming up, you'll start to have reactions yeah. to that because yeah. you're or maybe like you're I going well no 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 I, I mean I, there's oh, certain situations yeah. where I can just not be with what's happening. I can move into problem solving. <clears throat> when okay. yeah there, there's analysis paralysis, right? Like you can just get stuck in the, the vortex and like you're down the rabbit hole and yeah. three weeks later you're like oh Three Crap. weeks later, yeah. I used to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you. Nina. Um, I, so I <laughs> was pregnant during the last retreat, and I've had a baby since, and I have to say, like, this whole experience between these two events is, like, um, the impermanence is the idea of impermanence has been super helpful. I had like a mm. three hour birth. <laughs> oh, wow. And I think, and I used so much of what I've learned in Jhana to get through that. I think that's why it happened so fast. Wow. And um, just being able to take some of the things that I learned in last retreat and since I've started this process in this experience has been so helpful. Mostly the things that are impermanent. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and um temporary and being in the moment and staying present and not mm -hmm. trying to want things to be different exactly. so nina what was that that experience of impermanence once you gave birth I mean, that's probably that was wild yeah yeah you know i i used my breath more than i think i've ever used my breath during that experience and i just my whole body just relaxed mm -hmm. instead of tense so mm -hmm. And I wasn't afraid of the pain, which I was in my other birth, and I wasn't trying to run away from the pain, mm -hmm. no. which made it all just super fast. She fell out in the shower, like, by accident. Like, that's how fast it was. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Right? And I was like, no, it's okay, I still got this. And then I was like, oh, the head. Oh, wow. <laughs> you were definitely relaxed. Yeah, like, I was, yeah. my tolerance was just so high in a and accepting what was happening sure. that it just was like amazing that's you guys should start a birth a birthing jhana class um that's wonderful uh and you're, you're absolutely right this and this the, the foundations in and of themselves speak directly to impermanence yeah it's all arising passing is it Jennifer? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it's, I'm right at the beginning of understanding all of this. And it's funny that you can go through decades of your life doing all that fixing, planning, fearing, trying to manipulate outcomes. And to go, wow, I can remove myself from that in this moment, just remove myself from it. Because typically it makes things worse in my experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I project, I dig into trying to fix something so quickly before I've even observed what's really going on, make a mess of things or whatever. And fear and panic and to be able to step outside of it and detach from it, it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm having it at times where I'm like, wow, you know, I don't need to do this. I don't need to be a part of this thing that I'm creating. And um, seeing what does come to me when I stop doing that, a certain amount of wisdom will come in, a little bit is starting to come in in a situation and um, and John used a word last night that just blew me away because I experienced it in, in a situation where I was just making it worse and I stepped back and, and, and I meditated and, and, and took my whole manipulation of the thing away 
and I extended graciousness without even thinking of the word of graciousness. And I still didn't know how to define what was happening. And I was experiencing graciousness towards something and able to see that what I thought was happening wasn't even really happening. It was all fabricated. Mm -hmm. And I could remove myself from that. And, and this situation just turned out to be something that it, it just wasn't even. Mm -hmm. You it's, know. Mm -hmm. it's fascinating when you take it yourself is. out of the equation, how much clearer things get. Yeah, and you know, and I can't take any credit for it because I removed myself from it. That's where you should take credit though, Jenny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you did that. just, you know. That's yeah. the recognizing what is. Yeah. Right, and what isn't. Yeah. What isn't there anymore is what you would normally bring to that situation. And yeah, and the what delusion. is there is your is you, you know, is yeah. mindful presence. Mindful yeah, presence. yeah, mm -hmm. six properties. Mindful presence. Yeah, yeah. reference Thank point. Thanks. Hey, Brian. Hi. Good job. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, that was funny enough. <laughs> She's like, are you going to be a comedian? Well, I I'm forgot like, about that. Not a good one. <laughs> um, I, I just have to agree with what Ron said, that all of the examples that you used of what happens to your mind or with your mind or around your mind um, when you're in the world and when you're meditating, we're so clear and your mind is such a difficult, whatever entity and to hear you kind of break it up like that and you sort of gave us perspective to our minds from different angles it was really quite um taught me quite a lot just just sitting here and um the just the thing that i i loved the most about what you said is be aware that there is a mind and you just have to be with it, mm -hmm. be okay with it, and realize that it's going to do all kinds of flip-flops <laughs> and somersaults and things that will bring you away from yourself. But be aware that there's mind and you have to be okay with it. Yeah. And the idea of trying to figure out why you feel some way I, I was like that in the beginning. I always wanted to figure out the reason that I felt like this. There must be a reason, you know, maybe it's from my childhood, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And all you do then is just go right down rabbit hole. But like Jen said, you will, if there's something that needs attention, you will give it the attention it needs. You will go to the physical therapist if your knee hurts, but you don't have to sit and meditate and say, is my knee hurting right now? Is my knee getting better? Has my knee gotten worse? It's because I'm getting old. Oh, I'm not going to be able to walk. <laughs> you know, that's your mind messing you up. Sorry. And that's what you're interrupting with your breath. And that's what you're interrupting mm -hmm. with your breath. Yeah. And um, the thing I think of so much is, is Matt saying, when that happens, when you're going down that rabbit hole, drop the story, stay with the feeling. What are you feeling? Where is the feeling? Mm -hmm. And just once you're aware of the feeling, you can let it mm -hmm. rise and pass away, even during meditation and come back to your breath. Yeah. So yeah, thank you very much, Brian. I, I, that, that feeling is 
included in the sensation of breathing in the body. When you That's turn right. your mindfulness mm -hmm. to the breath of the body, you become aware of the arising and passing away of that sensation. Breath comes first. That's it. Mm -hmm. Without the breath, you can feel it. I, I remember when I started this that I was hoping to get out of my mind. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. then I developed some concentration. And I'd be sitting there and I'd just be like, you're like this, this observer thing, mm -hmm. right? And you're seeing all of this happening. Like, what is that? And how do I get rid of it? <laughs> right? Because it's kind of it's just sitting over here, like watching. It's kind of weird. And then I had months pass and I, I came across that again. I'm like, oh, for the love of God, that's my mind. <laughs> that's the mind. I'm like, wow. And so now it's it's become familiar. At first it was, I didn't even know what it was. And it just, you're right. You can't, you can't get away from it. You don't want to get away from it. You kind of need it. kind of need it. Julia. Great job. Thank you. Seriously, it was really, I followed the whole thing and it was very direct. Um, <laughs> one moment. Um, it's, I'm mind blown right now because of the conversation that was just happening, what Becky said. It's like, you know, when I'm in a conversation with somebody and my mind is taking over, it's like when she mentioned, you know, forget the mind, right? Come back to the breath. Um, and like, oh, and what am I feeling? And like, let that pass away. That is super intense. <laughs> I've just I don't have to always follow with the mind the conditioned mind is is thinking and uh and always wanting to problem solve and but I know it's not black or white and I can't always be in my breath because I have a mind you know it's gonna it's gonna your conditioning's gonna get you mm -hmm. yeah when you just come back but really, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> it's just the mind. That's really what it is. It's just the mind. It's just the mind. All this whole thing is, is your mind. <laughs> interpreting, your, interpreting your senses. Yeah. It leads to contact. It creates feelings. It's all up here. Mm -hmm. This is this is this is just all sensory input. You're, just, you're bringing it in and cognizing it. But I, I have this this mm, <laughs> this is the mind ready. So. <laughs> where how oh. hmm. <laughs> I find it I guess the whole process of it, it's just a mm, it's a it's what do they say it's like a marathon not like a mm -hmm. sprint right so mm -hmm. how am I supposed to just I guess practice is really the answer but I find it difficult to um uh, be in these situations like it's easier to remove my like John said ready you go to the top of a mountain and you stay there for 10 years and then you come back down and you're ready to go mm -hmm. right but you know that's not realistic um and I just keep feeling myself getting pulled back in with the mind in mm -hmm. in interactions with people especially the people that I'm closest to right um that it's, I find it just easier to just remove myself, mm -hmm. but sure. that's like the easy way, right? Sometimes I don't know if necessary. I'm making sense. Well, I, th I think what you're getting at is that, and again, this is a practice. Like, I'd rather just be like, go away, get away from me. Sure, 
<laughs> I was like that. I'm still like that. I'm quite antisocial. I'm going to go curl into a ball later. <laughs> um, when I started my practice, I was in a similar position. Right? I just, it was easier to disassociate and be away. After practicing and developing jhana and developing concentration, you just start to become this. And you can be in situations out in public in maybe toxic environments where you don't have to consciously decide how you're feeling or thinking, you just are. That's the practice. So what you want right now is the marathon. You have to wait for that and you have to keep practicing. Mm -hmm. That develops over time. It's really, there's a line in a, another program that I'm involved with. It says, you will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle you. Meaning the situations where you used to get entangled instantly in life, you will now be able to take a breath and recognize where you used to go and not go there anymore. But as Brian said, it's a practice. But it's a practice of experiencing just that, which is what you're doing. So that you can not seek to escape yourself, but simply be present with what's occurring, be a reference point for your life. And you're you're getting more than glimpses of that in your practice, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And that's important to recognize that. That's part of practice is recognizing the benefits of your own your own efforts. Yeah, because that's this is like the kind of practice that that's what will want you to keep like have you keep practicing is recognizing this. Yes. But I'm also I noticed this pattern of. <clears throat> you know, I'll have these situations sporadically happen where I'm handling them properly. And I know it's not all going to be perfect and butterflies, right? Um, but that's why I keep practicing is because those moments are just, are great. Very neutral, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but then when, you know, I act a certain way or the conditioned mind takes over or something, then it goes back to this cycle of self-loathing, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's just like this sure. circle that like, I feel like I'm taking steps back, but no, if I just recognize and then just move forward yeah. rather than keep spending time right. back there. When you just identify it, it's the conditioned thinking. It's not in control of that. Let it go. Or come back to your breath. You just come back to your breath. Yeah. That, that and will, be gentle. That will keep happening. Yeah. But you just, <laughs> it takes you a, just, it it takes a long time. You just have to be, you have to realize, okay, this is what happened. I, I reacted instead <clears> of <throat> responded. I reacted in the moment with my conditioned thinking. Yeah. And that's not going to stop happening. It's oh. just that you it recognize that it happened mm -hmm. it get, and you don't beat yourself up about it. You just... You know, you're gentle with yourself. Oh, I did it this time. And maybe if I keep practicing, I won't do it next time. And then you will find times that you do catch yourself, that you do not do it. And that's what makes you realize that you're moving in the right direction. The, mm -hmm. the, the concentration developed in jhana provides you <clears throat> enough space in mm -hmm. your head between an event and how and you a reaction. react to that event. Right. So keep practicing for you to catch it it's much easier to just remove sure right because then i won't then i won't have the the conditioned thinking as much right. <laughs> but, but you notice there that what's version is what it's yeah, mm -hmm. fueling that there's not feeling it yeah. right or whatever yeah, getting it right. wrong or getting what you don't want so <laughs> that the habit of aversion to getting what you don't want is just another clinging and craving for organizing your life to always get what you do want. Oh, <laughs> you know, wow. You know, it's, 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 remember, like we said last night, oh Dhamma practice isn't about getting what you want. <laughs> but also aversion comes after reaction so some something's happening mm. and, and yeah. somebody's saying something to you or you're whatever it is 
it's probably even before you get into the situation with people, you're, you're already kind of setting yourself, oh, 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 this person's mm. going to make me, you know, if, if you're anything like me, it's like you're already starting to guard <laughs> against, you're already averting, aversive, and then the something body. comes in and it's going through that filter of they're going to say something that upsets me. So you're already... You're already in you're already pranata. <laughs> so mm. so the practice will help you to mm. loosen that aversion. And then once the aversion yes. starts to you start to let go of that aversion and the on the whole story around that's causing it, it you'll be more present with whatever is occurring and be able to really see it for what it is rather than seeing it through this kind of filtered condition thinking around that relationship there's a um and that makes perfect sense oh good that can happen in the moment <laughs> that can happen in the moment yeah. i mean and and when you say you want to remove yourself it's almost as if you can get to the point where you recognize this feeling coming up you recognize that something's bothering you and you can, you already have probably the sentence in your brain that you want to say to this person who's driving you nuts, but you recognize that and you can stop there. Yeah, you're already recognized. And you can remove yourself from yourself, yeah. just long enough to take a breath. It's and once really you do that, you're, you're going to see the situation with more clarity. Fascinating wow. discussion because we're nuancing out. There's there's a, uh, a condition part of aversion that is mm. pre pre reaction that mm -hmm. really fuels a greater reaction, and then the reaction then maintains the condition thinking. Exactly. The, the, exactly. Uh, yeah. Prerequisite for a reaction, if you were, is maintaining an internal aversion just as a quality of mind. And so we can see somebody, it might be that we've, met, we've never met him before, but it's just the way they're carrying themselves might trigger a reaction because of conditioned mind. So we're already in a, in a fight or flight mode. We don't even know who this person is, or even situations like that. Somebody gets too close to us, behind us, and we're already you know, ready to freak out and do whatever we might do in that situation. And it just might be that the person got too close, nothing personal about it. But it, we are talking about very nuanced levels of uh, behavior that become apparent when we're holding in mind right speech, right action, right livelihood. Because then it's right there in front of us. We can also take it one step further because what we're talking about now is how you're handling it at this point. I'm being shown restraint. Mm. I'm going to catch it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do better next time. Or it's an abandonment. And that conditioned thinking doesn't have to be there. It yeah. doesn't have to. Mm. That's, the, that's the deep nuanced aspect. That's, the, that's the becoming Buddha. Mm -hmm. Not analyzing, not, not blaming yourself, mm -hmm. or even, even judging yourself in a minor way. It's just recognizing this is a fabrication. You let it go. Mm -hmm. Don't be scared. To say, I'm gonna change this. And I see Brian and his personal experience in this. Well presented, but I see only personal experience, which is that that's the powerful thing that we're seeing here. Yeah. I guess I'm having a hard time accepting that um, you know, as you start to as I start to like see more, it's like kind of frightening. Um, and I can see, I can just see how the cycle of self-loathing and taking it, things personally can just mm, take over, but, you know, just recognize it and come back to my breath. But it's also, it's just hard for me to, I guess, accept that I'm going to have these feelings because, you know, I don't like it. Right. So yeah. it's like, like, I don't like this feeling. It's uncomfortable or yeah. I don't like this. I'm taking it personally. I don't like that. And then, you know, 
then the cycle continues of, of, of not feeling good enough, but really it's like- You get little glimpses of something different than that. And you'll experience a little glimpse of, oh, maybe not as much self-loathing or yeah, I usually go to that much faster. And uh-huh. I didn't. So and that's subtle. the slowing down yeah. and the interrupting. Because then you get a little glimpse of give myself permission not to go so fast to that outcome. And then and then that space just gets wider and wider until the the discarding or the abandonment is um, natural. And then all of a sudden one day you're gonna be like, Oh, I haven't self-loathed in a few days. <laughs> 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 also, the feeling. Your experience has changed. It's not a, a glimpse. You caught it. You're, you're explaining change. Yeah, because you won't yeah. go back. You won't go back to the way, because once you see something, that's concentration. It's, yeah, that's it's concentration. Yeah. Also, I don't like this feeling. You know, that's not you. That's not liking the feeling. That's mind. your mind. That's on a time. Oh, your ego. <sighs> mm-hmm. So okay. that's not, this is not me. This is not mine. This is permission to feel your feelings yeah. and not get carried away by them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the, the, the basic. The mind's like, oh, I don't like this. It's okay. You not like it. I don't have to like it. Can I just say it's pretty amazing to have basically like two, four, six, right? And then you like some of my teachers in the room. <laughs> <laughs> That's an aspect of, of um, well practiced Dhamma practice. It, it should lead to that. You know, you're you're teaching us as well right now, Mary Beth. Just just being present and sharing yourself honestly, and Julia too. So we're all. We're all teachers in this. That's how the Dhamma works. And why the Buddha said that the most important aspect of the Dhamma was a well-informed and well-focused Sangha. Yeah. It's not just one person's you know, teachings and insights. It's everybody. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Laura. Brian, thank you. Yeah, your teachings bring so much clarity and calm. And I remember... You told me, just like Jen mentioned, or you know, I was talking to you, I think it was through text messaging, it's all anatta. And you said, I mean, you just said you're anti-social, you have so much empathy because you told me the you that, like, without the fabrications and the you without, you know, the aversions and all the things I'm trying to attach to myself and create this image, like, that's good enough you're good enough without all of these extra things and it almost brought me to tears and you're such a good teacher and like David was saying through your personal experience it it just shows that this practice works so thank you so much thank you Brian you're natural Like I say, I mean, you can tell that you're you're living the Dhamma. For me, when I first started my practice, my mind was so active. I mean, it was all over. And so when I when I got a few tools here, I went out and I thought, well, how am I going to use this new tool in this situation? I was very direct, and you know, let's let's try it here, let's try it there. And, and over time, as I became more concentrated. I didn't have to look for situations. It was just, it just gradually, it's in there. And now it's like, I'll look after something happens and I'll think, wow, I wouldn't have done that before. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a gradual process. You can't just, mm-hmm. you know, I look really hard, but practice really hard. No, it's, it takes time. It's the thing, the more you try, the further away it gets. Further away you get. Stop yeah. thinking yeah. about the polar bear. Just spend 30 seconds not thinking about polar bear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know you can't do it. I want a polar bear. What about panda bears? <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you. Mary. Um, well, well done. Really well done. And um, 
felt in his spirit, um, you know, doing the work, you know, and that's the greatest example I think we can provide for anyone. Um, so I think that's great. Um, one thing you said resonated um, was when, um, I know I'm not going to capture the way you said it, but you said when you're like you're in delusion when you're outside the Eightfold Path. And so that's another example of you don't have to analyze that. You don't have to assess it. You are, in fact, outside the Eightfold Path just by your very nature of I'm uncomfortable, this is what's wrong here, whatever it is, mm -hmm. right? Whatever is the rumble that's going through your, your brain, um, to know that you're outside of the Eightfold Path and the only thing you need to know is that you need to come back to your breath. And just by doing that, you interrupt whatever's going on and whatever needs attention, you'll come back to it. Or if it didn't need attention, you won't. Mm -hmm. And it's gone. Mm -hmm. And that's the abandonment. And that that all just kind of came together with when you said that. So um, just really good insight and um, sort of juxtaposition of how you said that was really helpful. So thank you. Thanks for teaching me. Jen, teacher Jen. Hi, Brian. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I'm just really enjoying this conversation with everyone. Yeah. And, and it's making me like just filled with love for all of you all the time. I know I always say that. It's very true. Um, and I, I mean, I've always seen it from you, Brian, but like now that you're up there teaching, it's just the, what really came through for, to me is the, the objectivity that you have towards your own mind and how exactly. that yeah. has, <laughs> that is like such a, uh, just, a benefit to all of us because you have not only developed this objectivity but you can totally explain how to get there so that yeah that's really what i was trying to say <laughs> so thank you what she said what she said <laughs> it's really true it's really true i can't see you there you go very good teaching but I have to say that this is at least only the fifth best teaching you've ever given me. Fifth best. Fifth, tenth best. Let's talk about the other. From the very beginning, uh, as John said, you were a teacher from the first words you said, and the second time, the third time. And that's for everyone because. That's what the strength of the Sangha is. We get to see people come back and leave and develop and be confused yeah. and be hurt and be scared. So that's the strength of the Sangha. Mm -hmm. We brought that out. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian, well done. Welcome. It's a pleasure to have you aboard. Um, I like it here. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna keep you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, just like Jen said, really appreciating everything that this conversation has and teaching has brought up. And um, you know there's something about sitting in the front of the room that you have, through your own practice, established enough stability of mind to facilitate this kind of experience for our Sangha. And that's, that's what John and I were envisioning for teacher training and, and training teachers. And it's just, it's a real, like Ram said, it's just a real pleasure to see you do that. And, you know, over the last.
last 18 months, 20 months, whatever it was. Your effort, your cultivation, your practice has, has borne fruit. And it's really nice to enjoy that with you, everyone here. Likewise, this is a, it's a little heavier up here. <laughs> so, yeah. There's a bit of time dilation going on. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Brian. As everyone said, that was really outstanding. Um, your deep penetration of the Dhamma is obvious because you're able to nuance out the Dhamma to such subtle levels and tying the as the sutra ends, what you're able to do is tie the six sense base to the four foundations of mindfulness, which is the essence of Dharma practice. It's at that intersection, isn't it? That, um, we're going to learn, I think, tomorrow that the Buddha delineates our senses into each having their own type of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if my consciousness is focused outward, what I what I pick up with my eye is going to contribute to eye making. Everything I see, mm -hmm. or think, or hear, or smell, etc., has to have a tinge of me to it in order for me to survive in the world as an ego personality. When I let go of that ego personality, then my eye is no longer eye making. It's just doing what it's supposed to do, cognizing what's out in the world, just so I can be that reference point. You brought it out in a way I don't think we've heard uh, quite that nuance. That was really outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Now what do we do? Uh, <laughs> you're the teacher. Where do you both finish with Meta yeah. as we always do? Yeah. Um, it's about 11:30. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, we're going to go up to um, go down to the Bridge Cafe for lunch. I won't be there. Um, and then we're going to hit the uh, Bamboo House again tonight for some of us. Um, it, but it's a, a beautiful day too. Frenchtown is a cool little town, so if you have time, walk around town a little bit. And uh, Bonnie has an exhibit in one of the windows. Oh, Her really? puppets are on display. Oh, with cool. Whatever's going on with the maker's market. I don't um, know if yeah. it's in a window or if it's in the tent. We'll see it on the way to the bridge. A oh. former Sonia. And then Mateo teaches at 2.30? Mateo is teaching at 2.30. Okay. Um, how's everybody doing with right speech, both here and not here? Anything you want to talk about that? How's it going? What's your experience? Everybody's doing it perfectly. Huh? Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, finish with the. Uh, Since we were just talking about lunch, excuse me. Sure. Can I just ask, is it 12 or 12.30? Because I thought last night we said 12, but the schedule said 12.30. Uh, I would say we'll probably be up there around 12 o'clock, right? Yeah. Soon as right. soon we'll as we'll yeah. And then again, at. at I might not be here for the afternoon session, but um, Kara is expecting us around five o'clock. Um, it's Bam easier house. for them to fit a, you know, a larger group yeah. in the tent. Yeah, if you want to. I do. I want the complete experience. Yeah. So we're going to finish with meta, as we always do. So find your relaxed meditation posture and become mindful of your breath. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. <laughs> Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the greater the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother with, protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, 
freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being free from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.